from the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk, the uh, first show of the month of March. A lot going on here. The phone lines are open, 356-9397, and we're with you until... Six o'clock. If you have any questions and or comments, Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen are with us here until six o'clock. As I mentioned, a big news day really for a Monday, a contract extension for Brad Underwood through 2026 at least. Assisted coaches get a two-year extension of their contracts. Illinois is back in the top 25 of the Associated Press poll at number 23. So a lot going on here for the Illini after that win yesterday, 67-66 over the Indiana Hoosiers. The Illini in that log jam there tied for second place. Matt Daniels and the, the Big Ten heading into the final week of the regular season. Yeah, they're uh, you know half game back of, of Maryland, who, uh, who plays twice this week just with the Illini. Uh, Maryland plays Rutgers. Tuesday night then ends the regular season on, uh, on Sunday against Michigan. So if you're an Illinois fan, you might want to be – cheering for Rutgers on Tuesday night and then on Michigan on, on Sunday. But Illinois has got a very tough game uh, Tuesday night uh, at Ohio State, uh, ranked 19th in the country. The Buckeyes seem to really have righted themselves, but um, Illinois is on the upswing again. Uh, you know, four-game win streak in the Big Ten and uh, the way that Io DeSumo and uh, Andres Feliz and Kofi Coburn really kind of closed out that game and then kind of the the heady play by, by Trent Frazier to call that timeout yesterday after Felice got the loose ball. Um, they just seem to kind of be be clicking right now. And uh, Indiana's not a bad team. They're not a great team. But Illinois took care of business like they needed to. And now they go into another, uh, another important week with a lot on the line. The uh, rankings this week uh, for the AP, Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, 1-2-3. And uh, for the Big Ten teams, Maryland still in the top ten at number nine. Michigan State is 16, Iowa 18, Ohio State 19th, Illinois 23rd, Wisconsin 24th, Michigan 25th at seven. Scott, Big Ten teams in the top 25. Did that kind of go along with your voting? Yeah, uh, the only difference was I didn't vote for Michigan uh, because they lost twice last week. And basically everyone that lost twice – that I had ranked last week. Uh, I dropped them completely out, except for Duke because they had a little more cushion. Little, they could fall a little further and still be ranked. But uh, yeah, Michigan surprised me, but I had voted for the rest of those teams. And I think the Big Ten, now that we're maybe at the end of the season where things have played out a little more, it is the Big Ten's reestablishing itself as the best conference in the country. And there was a time there where everyone was saying that, but then they didn't have as many ranked teams. So now that it's kind of caught up, you know, with one another. And it should make you know, these last uh, seven days pretty interesting. 
on the uh, Brad Underwood contract. You can hear from him tonight, 7 o'clock, Brad Underwood show at Papa Dell's on South Neal Street in Champaign. That takes him up to $3.4 million per year. There's also a 25% uh, raise for the uh, assistant coaches in the assistant coaches pool. Your thoughts on that uh, news today? I mean, I suppose I'm not surprised because I've maybe just with the timing where there's still games to be played you know, this season. Um, but uh, the way Illinois has gone from tw tw a program record, 21 losses last year, to now 20 wins with you know, at least four more games to play, a minimum, I suppose, with two regular season Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament. Uh, granted that they make it still, but I think that's almost a lock at this point. Um, I think it's deserved. And I was kind of talking with Bob before we headed over here. Josh Whitman has done what Oklahoma State refused to do, and that was you know, kind of renegotiate Underwood's contract after he flipped the program on its head. And he turned Oklahoma State from a 12-win team into a 21-win team in a single season. Oklahoma State didn't want to renegotiate, so he left. And he did the same thing at Illinois and got rewarded with a, a deal through 2026 and then if Illinois keeps making NCAA tournaments between 2022 and 2025, I mean, Underwood could get extended out to 2030, which uh, that's something. I mean, I'll be 43 years old if that <laughs> happens. That's interesting thing about but It's like a decade, Scott. It is like a decade. Um, so that's important. But I thought the increased salary for the assistant coaches was just as important, maybe if not more. Um, and – Stephen Gentry's salary isn't posted on the gray book because he, I think he was hired so late in the process, but based on the assumption he makes about what Shin Coleman does, the three assistants, on-court assistants, assistants make 800000 this year. 25% increase gives the Illinois a pool of a million dollars to spend on them. I think Orlando Antigua probably deserves a pretty good chunk of that. Uh, Chin Coleman as well, because those are the two guys that are bringing in you know, the, the top players. So Underwood's deal, big for him. Assistance deal may be big for Illinois. If, if Brad Underwood is listening, if, if Brad Underwood is listening, which is, oh. if Brad Underwood is listening, which I assume he is, listens to our show every week, I assume, I'm up for adoption. I just want him to know. I'm, I'm available. I'll clean the house. I'll bring the dog with me, so that's bad. But other than that, I'm pretty easy to have the house. So Scott's traveled with me. Matt's traveled with me. They know I'm easy. So uh, I'm out sometimes, for sometimes. I won't spend much money, maybe 100000 a year or so. But I'm good. <laughs> anyway. That's a good point, Bob. Thank you. Wanted to get that out of there. So that's your major point on that's, the – Well, I, by, like, bottom line, of, the, of like Scott said, he deserves it. He, what he's done here is really impressive and also – it's very important that Josh Whitman, because what could what could could happen here very easily, is Brad Underwood could have put himself on the market after this year, and probably would have had a lot of takers. Instead, Illinois has closed him up, made sure he's happy, made sure he's going to stay here for a long time. So I think that ball is rolling now that it's not going to close. So I think it was a really good decision on both ends. And, and kind of following up on that, Bob, and, and just kind of piggybacking on that point, I think it it quells any speculation uh, that might have ensued over these next three to four weeks that Brad Underwood might have bolted for someplace else uh, now that he is locked up too because part of the contract is it's if he does leave uh, it's an eight million dollar buyout right now which decreases through the length of the contract and also if he stays on 
through the end of the contract in 2026, he gets a $750,000 retention bonus as well. So he won't need that money, by the way. <laughs> he shouldn't need that money. He True. Could buy, buy those, buy those but, but to jo- us. Josh Whitman, I think, was being proactive and right. getting it out there. And as we've seen during his tenure as athletic director of Illinois, he's he's quick to give extensions to coaches. This this doesn't, I don't think, is going to be as as maybe panned or kind of questioned nationally like it was when he handed one to Lovey Smith right. uh, a few a few seasons ago. But uh, it is kind of interesting, too, that he does earn a contract extension when considering his overall body of work. I'm not just talking this season. I'm talking his overall body of work. I think he's 46 and 48 Correct. at Illinois. Big Ten record probably is still losing combined. But then again, too, you think of it, too, he's in a six-year – he signed a six-year contract in March of 2017 – He's finishing up his third year on his deal. So this way, by extending him, that kind of puts to bed the notion of that he could leave. It also sends a message to potential recruits and their families that he's going to be here. And, heck, if he keeps having success and gets to keep renegotiating that contract, you know, he's pretty much the coach at Illinois for however long he wants to be. Everybody say hi to Trent Meacham. Here with this former Illini basketball player. Got called off the bench yesterday to do a little color commentary on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. Saw a pretty good game, didn't you? It was a great game. It was, uh, you talk about a competitive, kind of classic Big Ten battle, 40 minutes. Neither team cr- you know, was able to get much separation. I thought both teams played extremely hard. I thought Indiana played very well. Not only did they shoot the ball well, but they, those guys played hard. They didn't make it on easy on the Illini. So it was fun. It was fun to be there courtside. Um, about as close to the action as you could be. So that was a lot of fun. I thought Indiana played one of the better games, and you kind of touched on that yesterday, but I hadn't seen them shoot that well. Yeah, that was – I used the one team in the Big Ten that I hadn't seen play a whole lot. So uh, there was – it was uh, I've just seen a, a few possessions or a few minutes of them throughout the season, so that was kind of my first look at them. But, yeah, they played extremely hard. I thought defensively they were tough. They, they throw a lot of length and athleticism at you on the wings – Justin Smith, uh, obviously Trace Jackson Davis when he's playing the four. Those guys were were a load for us to handle and one of the few teams that have out-rebounded us on the season. So they they gave us their best shot and I thought our uh, willingness to just continue competing. I thought uh, Andres Feliz and and Kofi Coburn, those two really carried us throughout the the, the second half in the the guts of the game. Trent is going to be with us here for a few more minutes. Uh, if you have a question here at the Esquire, raise your hand. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Plenty of more Illinois basketball talk on this Monday night, the first Monday in March. We'll take a time out here on DWS and be back with more after this. It's Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 with the News Gazette Media Sports Writers. Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Try their famous burgers or specialty pizzas while you watch the game. Welcome back to the show, everybody, at the Esquire. With you until 6 o'clock this evening with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, Trent Meacham is with us as well. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Raise your hand here if you have any basketball questions. As you look at the uh, Big Ten standings heading into the final week, what should be a really outstanding Fun final week, although the whole season's kind of been that way. It's one of those slobber, knocker, knockdown, drag out, pick an adjective type of duel. Maryland, 13-5. and five. Then you've got Michigan State, Illinois, and Wisconsin tied for second at 12-6. and six. Penn State and Iowa at 11-7 and seven, tied for fifth. Then you've got Ohio State surging at 10-8. Uh, and eight. 
you mentioned, uh, Matt, Illinois plays at Ohio State this week. That'll be tough. I think Illinois might have the, f the toughest final two ball games, going to Columbus and then playing Iowa on Sunday. Yeah, and, and Iowa's just off a win on, on Saturday against Penn State and, and has arguably probably the, the conference's top player, probably the front runner for player of the year in the Big Ten and, and Luca Garza. But uh, I'm sure the Orange Crush and the Illinois fans in attendance come Sunday night at another sold-out State Farm Center are going to be ready for the Hawkeyes and for Fran McCaffrey's team, uh, especially after the way last month's game ended between the two teams with uh, the coaching staffs kind of exchanging words and the the post-game handshake line and some of the stuff that went on in the final few minutes. So uh, it should be an intense atmosphere on, on Sunday night, probably an emotional one for some Illini too. Andres Feliz will play his final game at Illinois, and it's hard to believe that he's only been here two seasons. He seems like one of those guys that, you know, you think, oh, he's been here six, seven years or so just with the, the effect he's had uh, on the Illinois program. And uh, Tyler Underwood playing his last game as well. I know I'm missing a few others. Scott Ritchie. Kipper Nichols. Kipper Nichols. Samson Oldemeji. The best dunker on the Illini, apparently. He's underrated, mostly because he doesn't get a chance to show it very often. Ayo Dusumu. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly <laughs> that, too. Don't think he's going to get uh, get recognized. He won't be uh, senior recognized, no. But no. They don't have a sophomore day. They don't have a sophomore day. They probably should. You talk about Andres Feliz. He's going to be really transit, really a difficult guy to replace. He will. It's, it's tough to measure everything he brings to the team. I mean, here's a guy that is so tough mentally, so strong physically. Uh, he's been very consistent. I mean, I think in Big Ten play, I mean, come off the bench, start, whatever. You know he's going to play a lot of minutes. And I always liken, liken him to a running back who just – he just wears on opponents as the game goes on. And he just constantly, um, consistently provides pressure and he attacks the basket. He draws fouls. Uh, you know, he, he's a warrior out there on the court, and he's one of those guys that if you're playing, you love to have him as your teammate. I mean, he, he shows no emotion and is just uh, so uh, relentless. It's, it's, uh, it's great to have him as Illini, and, yeah, we're, we're, we're really going to miss him uh, next season. Let's go to the phones. Uh, the line is opened, and Richard is on with us. Go ahead, Richard. Hi, Steve. Uh, on Saturday, uh, you had a guest who uh, – spoke about Io DeSumo's uh, marketability in the NBA draft this year versus next year. And I know the uh, date to declare is uh, April 21st. If he declares, is he automatically eliminated from coming back next year? Only if he signs with an agent. He would still have oh, the – I mean, he, he can declare and can, test the water, right, if Scott? If he doesn't get drafted satisfactorily and doesn't sign with a, a team – then he can come back next year. Is that what uh, the situation is? No. Um, he can put his name in the NBA draft. Uh, he'll likely get an invite to the Combine in Chicago. I think it's back in Chicago. Um, he can go through the entire process, do workouts for individual teams. Uh, but then there is a, a date in May where players have to decide if they're in or they're out. If they stay in and don't get drafted or don't like where they get drafted, it's kind of too bad at that point uh, that they've made their okay. their play and they're they're professionals at that point. But if he goes through the whole pre-draft process, there's still the opportunity to return to Illinois. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. He's uh, I think all it's going to take for him is to get into some of those individual team workouts, knock down a few shots, and someone will take Iota Sumu in June in the draft. I don't know where that'll be. Uh, I think the highest I've seen him right now is like kind of 
beginning of the second round, but if he puts together a good yeah, Big Ten tournament, good NCAA tournament, yeah, who knows what will happen. The fellow that Steve had on said 32, possibly 34, which, you know, takes him out, out of the first round. I, I just thought he made some very good points. I was shot three points out of suspect at this point. And uh, a year to work on it, but, uh, and finishing out the Big Ten next year as the MVP would greatly assist his, his value and marketability. I, I just, but I was curious if, if he even declared uh, the draft if he was basically cutting himself out. But there is a little, there's another uh, date to make. Okay, thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Yep, thanks for the call, Richard. We appreciate that. What, what would you put the uh, the odds? On him leaving, hundred percent, probably. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll say ninety-nine point eight, just to the thing give is, a little wiggle room. You know, there's good money to be made in the second round. Yeah, and more second rounders are sticking with teams, right. mostly because they're cheaper, and you know, NBA franchises that have, you know, two max contract players need to fill out their roster with younger, cheaper players, and. I, he has the skill set to make it in the NBA, and I think coming back for his junior year, it just gives everyone another year to pick apart what he can't do and just in the lead-up to the draft. So go now. It's probably his best opportunity. I mean, he could have gone last year and maybe ended up a first-round pick. I mean, Taylor Horton Tucker got drafted uh, late. I mean, Jordan Poole was a first-round pick out of Michigan that no one really expected to happen. So... I think this is probably his time. It only takes one team to like you. And he's going to, in the combine, he's going to look good. He's going to, he's got a lot of measurables. The shooting thing, I think the NBA will look at him and see, we can fix that. And they do that. They take a guy's shots and completely retool him. I think they'll do that with him. So they'll like everything else about him, including how hard he works, what a clutch guy is. He's not afraid to take the big shot. I think he's, to me, I, I agree with Scott, 100% he's leaving. It's, it's very difficult to improve your stock coming back to college. That's just the truth. And, and also the reality is that you're going to have uh, – you're going to be playing against better competition daily. You're going to have uh, better coaching in terms of coaches that work with you around the clock. That's your job. So you have all the, the resources to improve the most as a pro, no matter where you're at. Um, the one benefit I, I see to guys coming back is if – if you have the responsibility, I think when a guy has responsibility, they have the ball in their hands, they can take 15 shots a night, the pressure's on them, they can turn it over, and they're still going to be on the court. I think that's a huge benefit. I see like Kofi Coburn coming back where I think he could take a big leap. I don't know how Io could improve a lot. I mean, the, the, the way that he's playing, how efficient, how productive he is, not to mention how good he has been closing games. I mean, it's been remarkable. And so I don't know the benefit of him coming back. I don't know what he's going to prove. Uh, I look at Io as a very intriguing prospect just because, he, I've said this before, he, he moves differently. You know, he's not, a, he's not a guy that's finishing way above the rim. You know, he's not a great leaper in that, in that regard. But in the open court, man, is he electric. I mean, he, he's so impressive in the open court. I think his, his half-court decision-making and ability to create his own shot has really improved this year. Um, as well as his playmaking and, 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 and making reads out of the pick and roll. He's, uh, he's an underrated defender. He's a fantastic defender. He uses his length well. He's quick. So, yeah, you know, the NBA is, is 
is he, he, Iowa's such a great prospect at Illinois. He's been such a name, but the NBA's a different breed, and, and some guys really shake out and do well. Some guys can struggle, but I think he has the tools, and I think more importantly, man, he, he's, his, uh, his mental you know, fortitude, his mental toughness, he's, he's very impressive in that regard. He's got a burst that uh, we didn't necessarily see as much last year as we're seeing now, but he is a lot quicker, a lot faster than you'd think by looking at him. A guy's 6'5". Yeah, and he's long, but what's, what impresses me is watch him in the open court and uh, where he picks up the ball. So he'll, he'll be driving, you know, fast break. He'll pick up the ball beyond the three-point line, and then in two and a half steps he's finishing at the rim, which is just it's kind of freaky. But then, like I said, I, I think in the, in the half court he's really improved as a, uh, a playmaker out of the pick and roll. I mean, he's the reads that he makes, the, the decisions he makes um, in the clutch, when to take it himself, when to dish it off. Uh, I even go back to the Michigan State game, uh, the second-to-last possession when he hit Kofi on a short roll and when Kofi got fouled and made the two big free throws. I mean, it was just such an unselfish play for Io after he's made big shot after big shot. And that, that's been just very impressive to me, his, his, his maturity in that regard. What are the biggest mental hurdles or obstacles to overcome when you go from playing in college, sold-out State Farm Center, all eyes are on you to – being down the bench on the rotation or maybe being in the G League at all come the fall, how does that weigh into uh, the decision process of whether to come back or whether to stay at all? Well, I didn't have experience in, <laughs> in, in the league or the G League. You know, I played overseas, uh, but there's different, uh, there's different challenges. I think the guys that look at the big picture, and, and we all want um, immediate success. We all want to play right away, but guys that – See, hey, this is a process, and I'm just, I'm, this is one more step in the process. I thought Io coming in, in here, um, and it was no uh, disrespect to college basketball, but I think all along he had a bigger dream of playing professionally, and I think that's one thing that has allowed him to step in as a freshman, have a lot of success, be willing to take big shots because the stage isn't too big for him. And I think another thing for an athlete, you know, you have a, a limited time to capitalize on your profession. You know, most people, uh, when they're maybe getting to their 30s, mid-30s, 40s, that's kind of when they're kind of hitting their groove. For an athlete, that's a long career. Now your career's wrapping up. So you want to maximize your time to earn money. That's what you go to school for, to, to get a, a good job, to be able to uh, uh, provide some service somewhere. For an athlete, it's a limited window, and you want to strike when that's hot, and you want to capitalize when you can. Trent, how much different is this decision if they have right now guys being able to make money off their image likeness, like I certainly would, given his stature, given how popular he is. I would think a guy like him would be able to really capitalize locally, whatever. How much different is that going to be for guys down the road? Will that change that decision a little bit? That's, that's a good point because there's some guys that are going to be way more marketable in college, especially right. at a university like this, community like this, a Chicago kid. I mean, D. Brown would be the example right. of a guy that – way more marketable, probably could earn a lot more money on endorsements as a college player. I think of Nate Shieldhouse on the football field is probably a guy that wasn't an NFL player, but, man, in, in college, his reputation, his ability, I think he could have been very marketable. So that's, that'll be very interesting how that plays out, how local businesses, how national businesses, how that, how that works. But I think it's a good move. I think, you know, in light of just today and, and coaches being compensated as they, as they should – and the success they're having and what that means to this university, this city, even this state, uh, for a young college athlete to 
to take a small piece of that, I think that's I think it's a good thing. Is that even something when you were playing at Illinois? Was that something you guys even talked about as you know teammates at all, or even brought up or realized that hey, this could be a possibility, a realistic possibility someday? Oh, we got deals all under the table all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's kidding. No, no, He's yeah. kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, yeah. Um, I didn't. I know that. That's for sure. Um, You're a local we, kid, we, though. You know, it, it's really coming to light a lot more recently. I think movements around the country with social media, I think, has been a big thing, exposing things, and, and, and things are just more in the, in, in the open. So that wasn't something we talked about a whole lot. It really wasn't. Trent Meacham is with us, as you uh, fans may remember. Started his college career at the University of Dayton before transferring to Illinois in his hometown. Do you still follow the Flyers? And, uh, are you impressed with what uh, they're doing this year? Uh, yeah, I don't follow them that closely, but that's a, that's a fantastic program. And they've, they've done a little bit better in the NCAA tournament recently, made an eight, Elite Eight run where, with Archie Miller, but because that's a program that hasn't quite had the national exposure of a Xavier, of a Gonzaga. Those two schools have been very good, or Butler, or maybe a Creighton. And I think it's, they haven't quite had that success at the national level, but they have fantastic fans. They, they pack their arena every game, no matter how good or bad their team is. And the reality is they've been really good. I mean, they've been uh, uh, a very good program. I look at the past decade. They've produced pros. And, and this year, wow, what they've done, have they won 20 straight maybe, something like that. They're, they're, they're playing very well. So I know they have one of the leading national player of the years in Obi Toppin. And uh, be fun if, if Illinois played them in the tournament this year. But they're going to be uh, they're going to be tough. They, now they haven't been tested as much as these Big Ten teams, so that'll be interesting. I think this NCAA tournament is just is going to be very exciting this year. You're too young to remember, but I'm not. Uh, the University of Dayton's history in basketball is really good. Back in the uh, '60s, they went all the way to the NCAA championship game and lost to Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the national title game. So they've got, uh, they've got some history there. They've been a little bit down, but uh, they're back and playing very well. I want to go back to Kofi Coburn for a minute and his future. You talked about how you thought uh, he would benefit from uh, staying another year and kind of working on his game. But when you look at Kofi Coburn at 7 feet and 290, the pros are going to draft a guy like that on – the future on the come, so to speak. Now, whether or not they would take him, how high they would take him now, I don't know, but I think it's something to think about. Yeah, it, he's, he's the ultimate, like, intriguing prospect, I think, in college basketball because 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, he's top five. Yeah. I think no question, he's gone. And the game has changed so much at the NBA level, and if you can't shoot the three and if you can't guard the pick and roll, then it's tough to really know. And, and I think NBA teams are going to have a hard time evaluating his, his lateral quickness. And I think that's more important than maybe even his ability to get up and down the court, which he's exceptional at. At his size, 7 feet, 290, the way he runs the floor um, is, is, is pretty darn freaky to use that word again. But uh, we haven't seen him laterally um, have to use his feet to, to defend guards, to get out and hedge on the pick and roll, where uh, Illinois, you know, Coach Underwood will have him for the most part, just stay back in the paint. So that's something that hasn't been exposed. But uh, he's, he's a kid that has an extremely high ceiling. I love his demeanor, his ability to, you know, shoot and free throws. He shot free throws very well. He's been clutch. I mean, that's, uh, that's been remarkable. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that's only going to continue to prove. And I think he will actually develop a jump shot as he progresses. 
Let's go back to the phones. We're coming in loud and clear tonight in Mattoon. Let's go to Rick in Mattoon. Go ahead. It's a pleasure to talk to you gentlemen tonight. I wish I was up there with you. Um, Trent, I love your insights on the game. I think they're absolutely fantastic. You've got a great future in doing this. Keep going. Um, I I want to know your gentleman's feelings on the fact that if, honestly, if AO didn't go, would we miss one of the other two, if not both of the other two, big signings we have? Um, I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to let you guys extrapolate on that a little bit. Thank you. Oh, right. Thanks, Rick, for the call. Thank you for the comments. Well, doing the scholarship math, uh, something has to change for Adam Miller to sign in April. Um, I think everyone's sort of expecting that will be out, assuming you know, going to the, the NBA. Uh, but right now there's not a scholarship for Miller. Um, I think John Gross used to say it uh, a lot that you know, he he can count. He could count, yeah. He, he knew how many scholarships <laughs> he had. As Brad Underwood, uh, I assume, can count as well. Uh, so. He they'll, they'll based on his extension today, I'm sure he can. Yeah, can uh, count uh, to well. 22 million, yeah, which is like just the, add a for couple the life of the zeros. contract. Um, they'll figure it out. And, I mean, Andre Carbello's coming. Adam Miller is all in. Like he, I'm not sure there was a more excited player in the, or recruit in the stands than a person in the stands in, than Adam at points in Sunday's game. So they'll figure it out, even if – the slim, almost non-existent chance that I.O. comes back, they'll figure it out. We'll talk more about some of those guys like Adam Miller who were at the game yesterday. Quite an impressive list of uh, recruits there for Illinois, but we need to take a timeout. We'll do that and uh, continue all the way to 6 o'clock here on Monday Night Sports Talk at the Esquire in Champaign. Back with more after this. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS with the News Gazette Media Sports Writers. Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. And welcome back to the show, everybody, at 546 with you until 6 o'clock this evening here at the Esquire. We're kind of into the final month, so to speak, of our shows here. We're, the final show will be on uh, NCAA Championship Night, right? Yeah, unless Illinois is playing in Atlanta that night, then I don't know what we'll do. We'll do maybe, it from maybe we'll do the there. show from, from Hotlanta. How about that? We'll, we'll take the whole show on yeah, the road. Yeah, why not? I go to the Braves game. Everybody here gets to go with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just expense it. Put it on your expense card, Steve. Oh, on mine. Okay. Yeah. Mine doesn't carry the weight that it once did. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just bill it to Lauren. How about that? Yeah, he never pays for anything. I don't think his carries the weight either, but uh, <laughs> we're just a couple of guys that they put halfway out to pasture. <laughs> Not all the way, just halfway. Scott, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the various recruits that were at the ball game yesterday. The the interest, the uh, momentum, if you will, is really uh, picking up. There was a lot of talent there to watch uh, the Illini yesterday. Yeah, I mean, with the guys in the stands, like I wouldn't, I might have taken that team. Yeah, they, they pretty much hit on every position. Uh, but Elmo has a top 15 class coming in uh, in 2020 with Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo. And Coleman Hawkins, so that's already you know building some good momentum. And then I think just based on when Underwood and the staff got here, like the 2021 class was always going to be pretty important because they've had time to establish relationships with these guys since they were you know freshmen in high school, and that makes a difference. And just the number of players in the stands yesterday. I mean, Adam Miller came down again. 
Uh, Brandon Weston, that's his teammate at uh, Morgan Park, is a, a junior guard, four-star recruit. Uh, he was in the building. He's having a really terrific season at Morgan Park. Uh, Big-time recruit in the 2022 class, uh, A.J. Casey from Tenley Park was there. Uh, he played his freshman year at Simeon, then transferred. He's averaging like 22 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks you know, this year as a well, I guess a sophomore. He's a top 20 prospect in the 2022 class. Um, Isaiah Barnes from Oak Park, uh, his 2021 wing was there. It's, I mean, another in-state kid that's having a really you know, terrific season. Uh, locally, uh, Tuscola sophomore Jalen Quinn was back for another unofficial. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Jordan Nesbitt uh, plays at St. Louis Christian Academy. He's a junior guard. He played here in Champaign, actually, in November against Prolific Prep, and Coleman Hawkins had, I think, a 37-point game. Uh, he got a chance to see Illinois play in person, and the coaches saw him put up 37 in November. There he is. David Jones, uh, he's playing his high school ball in West Virginia, but he's originally from the Dominican Republic. Uh, worked out pretty well when Illinois got you know, a guard with Dominican ties uh, the first time with Andres Feliz. And uh, David Jones is a little bigger, but he has international experience already. And he's one of, I think, almost a, like 10, maybe 12 players in the 2021 class you know, that have you know, the international background that Illinois is recruiting. And then I think the last one. Uh, Been Mike talking a while, Scott. Well, there was a lot of guys here. Uh, Michael Zanoni, he's a sophomore guard from North Carolina. Both of his parents actually went to Illinois for grad school, I think. So he's got ties. And they all saw Illinois win. And then they all saw today where the coaching staff is going to be intact and be at Illinois unless they get uh, even better offers kind of for the foreseeable future. Got a question from the audience after listening to that. Uh, knowledge that Scott just dropped. Thanks for your patience. Um, I'm familiar with the Panhandle in Florida. And I'm familiar with the Southwest Florida State. And we all know what fleece has done for us. So have we maintained or will we maintain that relationship with them? And obviously going there next Thanksgiving can't hurt. But what's our current relationship with them? I only recruited a couple of their other players in the last, well, since Andres got here. Um, I think they both went elsewhere. Uh, they, there's one six seven forward. He was from uh, the U.K. originally and ended up at, at Northwest Florida State. I can't remember. He ended up at a D1 program, but I think Illinois adding Jucos would probably be, I don't want to say hit or miss, but just kind of maybe not all the time. And Andres fit because he had a previous relationship with Orlando Antigua, so they knew him and recruiting Juco is a, a little tougher um, they're just maybe not not quite as sure about how the players will fit but it's worked once so I, I think you know the avenue will always be there for Illinois. Trent we, we hit on this earlier before you came up here uh, about Brad Underwood's extension today three-year extension carries him through the 2026 season uh, at Illinois what's your what's your reaction to, to the news at all? Is he buying a Papadales tonight? Uh, he there, probably right? he, he might be. That, that's true. When we have him on at the Esquire here at some point uh, before the show ends, he'll, a round will be on him. I, I think he can afford it. Well, uh, man, Josh Whitman came in there pretty quick, right? Um, you know, still here at the tail end of the season and getting ready for the last two games, the Big Ten season, and getting into March Madness. But the turnaround has been 
has been very impressive. I mean, any way you cut it, uh, how poor this team was the past two years in his first two seasons. And I think, you know, I heard Whitman say, like, it surpassed his expectations of how quickly he's turned it around. Uh, but also when you think of, you, you know, when Scott's talking about some of the recruits coming in, uh, you know, that he's building uh, not just a one-hit team that, that's going to have success this season, but some sus sustained success. And we're looking, you know, this, this turnovers can turn over pretty quick. And it turns over quicker than ever with uh, the allure of, of, of playing professionally and the amount of money in sports at the highest level in pros and college. I mean, it's, it's a trickle-down effect, so that just adds a pressure. It adds to the turnover, um, potentially transfers, being able to transfer without sitting out a year. So there's just so many things that the world of college athletics, the business of college athletics, looks different than it did um, even when I played just 10 years ago. But um, I think it's a good move by Whitman. I mean – the the trajectory of this team i think uh the you you see the these guys committed you see how these guys are, are are fighting for each other and you you have some of these recruits coming in it's just it's very promising and that's what you ha you have to do that if you want to to keep a great coach trent what was your relationship with iowa back in the day when you played did you like playing them do you have any special feelings about them with iowa well i actually played for at an AAU team in Iowa heading into my senior year. So um, I did have a relationship with a few of those guys. Iowa wasn't very good when I was in the league. Gotcha. So, you know, so there wasn't too much of a rivalry. They just, you know, they weren't very good. Okay. So didn't, how about, how do you feel about him now? You haven't grown up. I here. like it. I, I like it. Um, I actually like watching Iowa play their team. They're, they're different than pretty much anyone in the big 10. They're the best passing team and they're, they're the best shooting team. And they have, some, they have some guys that are really good. I think Joe Weiskamp, I think Luca Garza. Uh, uh, is it C.J. Frederick that had a great game uh, against us uh, previously? So they're a fun team to watch. Uh, the animosity is, is exciting. And I know uh, the State Farm Center, I know Illini Nation is, has been waiting for this one coming up on Sunday. So that's going to be uh, – it's going to be really – I think it's going to be a little bit hostile, that environment, and I'm looking forward to it. Much of that uh, animosity goes back before your time, obviously. I'm not sure there's a statute of limitations on, uh, on the, uh, the Bruce Pearl factor of things, Matt. No, not at all. Uh, you know, he's now the coach at Auburn, and I'm sure Illinois fans are rooting against the Tigers for the most part and, and weren't happy last year when they were in the Final Four and they were pleased to see Virginia knock him out in the national semifinals. And, yeah, that uh, like you said, that that uh, that rivalry goes back a ways to the late '80s, and uh, it's going to be an interesting interesting game on on Sunday night. Just added a new layer to to kind of the rivalry. Like you said, that it's kind of gone through ebbs and flows, but now it's kind of back up there. And uh, we were talking before the the show started too, and just how you know Illinois, Indiana. I don't think it has that animosity that it used to have in terms of the rivalry, but. Illinois, Iowa, for sure, I would say, come Sundays. Illinois, Indiana is still a big rivalry. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's to that peak point it was, you know, when, when Bob Knight and Lou Henson are on the sidelines. As Brian Underwood would say on this discussion, they've got a game before that. It's true. And Ohio that's coming State. coming up Thursday night at Ohio State. Talk about a team, Trent that, uh, and Matt, that has been up and down. We've only got about a minute left. But uh, Ohio State was really good to begin with, then went through a slump, and now they're back up. Yeah, they're, up, they're on the up now. They're still missing Kyle Young. I think the interesting thing going into this game is 
is in both these games, Ohio State and Iowa, they're bigs. Caleb West and Luka Garza pick and pop for the three. So last game, Kofi was so dominant inside because he could just hang in the paint six blocks, probably alter another six shots. That's going to be a different look for the Illini here uh, both these games. Hey, Trent, good to see you. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Always enjoy coming out here. Thank you. Thanks, Trent Meacham with us. Illinois baseball, by the way, won two out of three on the road against ranked teams. They play a home game tomorrow against Chicago State at Illinois Field. That's going to take care of Monday Night Sports Talk of the Esquire. We'll be back with you next week. Prep uh, Sports Confidential coming up. The Brad Underwood Show at 7 o'clock at Papa Dell's Restaurant on South Neal. For all the guys, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good night, everybody.